the Go Radio Football Show, talking football first. Listen live weeknights from five. Yeah, Tuesday's Go Radio Football Show. And it's the Euro 2020 semi-finals. We are just three hours away from number one. It's Italy against Spain tonight at Wembley. And then tomorrow night, it is England against Denmark. Can't wait. Really looking forward, Crags, to to tonight's one. It's going to be a belter, isn't it? It is. When you get to the semi-finals of major tournaments, whether it's club football, whether it's international football, it tends to bring out the best in players. And I just think Spain and Italy, two you know countries who have enjoyed watching throughout this tournament. Spain seem to be getting better as the tournament progresses, but Italy just look like a Rolls Royce. They can do everything, Rob. They can be hard to play against. They can be expansive. They can be open. They can go and attack the game. But I still think they've got that know-how and that knowledge of how to see games out. And that probably boils down to Bonucci and Chiellini at the back, just organising and orchestrating. But Spain are a lot younger than what the Italians are. I think a lot more inexperienced, but certainly technically, they're fantastic to watch. They'll be open. I just wonder how they'll cope with the physicality of the Italians. Stephen Cragen on the Go Radio Football Show with me, Rob McLean, and you, 0808 17 17 700. I've got a couple of questions for you, got a couple of tasks for you to perform. Yes, that's you, as well as in the studio, you, Crags. Uh, what I'm what I'm asking here is, well, firstly, the, the easy one really is to pick your team of the tournament so far. What, if you had the choice of every team that's been involved right from the start, obviously you're going to be favoured, you're going to be favouring the ones that are still in the competition. What would be your compilation 11 starting team uh, from what you've watched so far? So that's the relatively easy question. So you can... Uh, Call us in on that one, or you can get in touch on the socials at Go Football Show and let us know what you think is your best team of the tournament. Uh, and here's a question as well. We'll give you the answer at the end of the show, uh, Craig. So you've got the best part of an hour to think about it. I know you've been thinking about it already. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are six goalkeepers who've been involved at the Euros in any one of the squads, even the the teams who are now out, but uh, six keepers who played in Scotland, six keepers who were with Scottish teams at some stage or another, and they've been involved in uh, Euro 2020. Yeah. Let's, well, let's... You said to me five earlier. I, I arrived at the studio and you said, Do you know what, we've actually found another yeah, one. I know, exactly. And I found it hard enough getting the fifth one. I got the first four reasons, but it was the fifth one I really struggled with. And the sixth one is, is beyond me. So I'm, I'm hoping there'll be clues at I'm, some stage. I blame producer James uh, for that. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, what was already difficult at five has just become even more difficult at uh, at six. So let, let's uh, let's throw in a couple earlier on, a couple of the more maybe straightforward ones, Cracks. The two, what about the two? Maybe, yeah. Do we do the two ex-Falkirk well, keepers well, maybe? S- certainly one. And I think this is the most obvious one would yeah. be Casper Schmeichel. Yeah. It was the second Falkirk goalkeeper I struggled a little bit with. Um... I'm sure that's one. There's a couple in there who people may struggle to find, but certainly I'll throw in the Aberdeen one. Yeah. Danny Ward who played for Wales. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the two we'll give just now. And we'll, yeah. and we'll leave the other four as it is. I'm still struggling for the sixth, so I will hopefully just have to try and work it out as you go. Yeah. But certainly that's the opening two, Casper Schmeichel yeah. and Danny Ward. And, and obviously where it's much easier is where they've played. And obviously Casper Schmeichel has played every game for Denmark, which presumably will continue tomorrow night against England. And uh, Danny Ward played every game for Wales, Wales yeah. and he was he was on loan at Aberdeen for a spell. And he and well, the funny thing about those two, of course, is they're. Did you say? Did you mention that they're both at Leicester? No, uh, I didn't. know. Danny, no, Dan, Danny Ward is is Casper Michael's understudy at, at Leicester City, so they're both at the same club. 
and they both played in Scottish football at some stage. So there are four other goalkeepers who've, who've not necessarily featured in, in Euro 2020, but have been there as part of an international squad. So we've given you a couple, see if you can come up with the other four. So we're talking uh, Euro 2020, who's going to be in the final? Um, for me, Italy, I think have been the best footballing team in the tournament. I think I'd like to see them uh, go on and win it. Uh, and let us know what your what your who your player of the tournament is and who your players of the tournament are in terms of putting them into an eleven. That's always uh, quite an interesting game to play. <laughs> Played it with Craig Moore on the show last night, and I think he narrowed it down to about nineteen. He'd gone for a six-seven-three formation <laughs> uh, in his side. We're talking club football as well, of course, and we're very quickly now getting down to business. It does feel as if. Uh, last season didn't end so very long ago. But of course, uh, two weeks tonight, uh, Celtic are playing in the Champions League qualifiers against Michelin uh, with Eric Sviatchenko on the show a couple of days ago talking about that. And uh, Celtic play Sheffield Wednesday tomorrow. It's Ange Postacoglu's first game in charge. Uh, then I think they play Charlton, Bristol City, Preston. All these games will be really important in terms of getting the, the fine-tuning organised. Rangers played last night. Talk about that in a sec. Uh, coming up for them, uh, the likes of uh, Tranmere, I think, Arsenal, Blackpool uh, coming up for Rangers. You watched a bit of that last night, Partick Thistle at Firhill against Rangers. Um, how was it, Craig? Listen, it, it was a typical pre-season game where you know the tempo wasn't great. I think it got better as it went on. You know, Rangers had a lot of young players in the first half. Uh, trying to mix them up but certainly second half they were a lot stronger with Tavernier and Golson and Stephen Davis and Kamar Roof come on actually looked really bright as a centre forward so it'll just be interesting to see that I know Alfredo Morales is away just now on international duty you know by the time he gets back and gets himself into ship you know shape for the for Rangers uh, Champions League qualifiers at the start of August that may be more beneficial to go with Kamar Roof for example who's had a full pre-season hasn't had any time off is, is, is is looking good. So, yeah, it's, you know, Partick Thistle actually done okay. I thought they played quite well in the game. You know, they're probably slightly ahead of Rangers. They've played a couple more games. I think Rangers have only had, what, a week's training. I think they started the previous Monday. So that was only, what, six, probably five, six days training into a pre-season game. So, listen, there's always lots to work to do in pre-season and players feel a bit leggy, first one, because I'm sure they've had a tough week of physical running and, and, and physical demands on their body. But it will just be interesting when you look at the size of the Rangers squad how Steven Gerrard is going yeah. to try and appease anything between 24 and 28 first-team players. Yeah, I'm, a I'm huge just, I'm, I'm just looking at that the, the last night, the team. So the only constant was was uh, McCrory, yep. uh, Robbie McCrory in, in goals. Uh, first half, it was, in front of him, it was King Edmondson, Simpson, Maxwell, Williamson and Mayo, which sounds like a good sandwich. Uh, Middleton, Wright, Jones and Defoe. Second half... The outfield players were Tavernier, Goldson, Balligan, Bassey, Kelly, Davis, Hadji, Roof, Aribo and Itten. So that's uh, 21 players uh, involved in the game last night. And how many have you got that actually didn't feature at all? 13. <laughs> and it's quite a team, Th isn't it? It as is. Well? To be fair, I think the team that didn't play would probably have beat either of the two teams. <laughs> yeah. Well, two goalkeepers was McGregor and McLaughlin. Patterson, Katic, Halander, and Barisic would be a back four. Any one of these, or sorry, any three of these four midfield: Lundstrom, Jack, Arfield, and Offerbore, and a front three of Kent, Morelos, and Sakala. Not bad. You know, which is incredible strength and depth. So it takes you back to Stuart, uh, Stuart Robertson, the, the managing director, saying just pre-Christmas last year, 
that it can't always be players joining Rangers, Rob. Players will have to go out at some stage. So we, it's not only a big squad, but it's a big wage bill. Mm. And you would think that, you know, they will have to cut something somewhere along the line. Rangers aren't going to buy players. They're going to try and bring them in like like Lundstrom and, and Joe Rebo and Glenn Kamara, get them on cheap deals or get them in Bosman transfers. But ultimately, you can't keep bringing in because suddenly you get a lot of unhappy players who want to play. And, I mean, not as unhappy, but frustrated that they want to play. And a manager's job becomes even more difficult trying to appease people who aren't playing, never mind the people who are playing. So Steven Gerrard's going to have to get the balance right. The club are going to have to get the balance right with regards numbers. And if they are going to bring another one or two in, you would think they would have to go straight into the first 11. They don't need any more squad players. They've got lots of squad players. Mm. Then you look at the likes of Lewis Mayo and Stephen Kelly and, and, and Maxwell and Leon King. Is it better then for these guys and Middleton, for these guys to go out and loan potentially? Yeah. Jake Hastie's another one actually who wasn't mentioned who may have to go and loan. So suddenly, there's a lot of work to do for Rangers, but ultimately, Stephen Gerrard wants everybody fit, fighting, ready to play. Uh, and he said what started last week when, when he came back for pre-season, we're back, we're changing mentality, we have to go and do it again. So I think that was the, the message the Rangers fans wanted to hear. What did you make of the signing of John Lundstrom, uh, ex of Sheffield United? So so he's played the last two years in the English mm-hmm. Premier League. He's 27, he's a midfielder, um, out of contract. So um, yes, they, w- they would have probably spent a fair bit of money in in in, uh, in his pocket but but there wasn't a transfer fee involved so so maybe a no-brainer in that regard who Bongani Zungu's gone uh, as as one of the Rangers midfielders and maybe there are doubts uh, about Ryan Jack in yeah. terms of how durable he is going to be for the season uh, and also uh, there's still a question mark over Glenn Kamara I think in the minds of the Rangers fans about whether he is still going to be there or not or whether they get an offer for him that they can't refuse mm-hmm. Well, I think because Stephen Gerrard brought Zungu in last summer tells you the type of midfield player he was looking for. Because if Ryan Jack isn't durable enough to play 45, 50 games, if he's durable enough to play 25 or 30, then you have to split it. And that's where you balance it off and you make sure you get your you know, your know, better players fit and fresh for certain games, not for every game. But I think he wanted more of a, a physical midfield player, a little bit taller than the ones that he has. You know, Joe Rebo is tall, of course and Glenn Kamara, but they're not as physical or, or or as aggressive in their approach sometimes. So I think he wanted something a little bit different, maybe a spoiler just to break the play up. I had a look at some of his clips before he came out. He certainly got a nice touch, but the one thing is he presses hard, he's aggressive in his press. And you know you just have to look at the way Sheffield United play. That's the way they wanted to play under Chris Wilder, certainly their first season in the, in the English Premier League. So it'll be interesting to see where he fits in and how he fits in. But certainly Stephen Davis, is what, 36 years of age, isn't going to play 40, 45 games this season. You know, Scott Arfield is 32. He, you know, it's a big challenge for him now to try and get into the team. Joe Rebo's younger, you know, has been doing well if Kamara goes. So Stephen Gerrard has to sign for every eventuality. And ultimately, as a manager, you'd probably rather have too many players in that midfield area than not enough. But I just think that one physical, more aggressive type of midfield player is the one he was looking for in Zungu. It didn't happen with him. So he's obviously went to Lundstrom and thought, that's the kind of guy I want to get in. And with no transfer fee being paid, it was probably an easier deal to do. Without wishing to oversimplify it, um, it, it does look as if Rangers have too many players mm-hmm. to be yeah. able to keep them all happy, even even apart from the maybe the financial imperative of, of, of getting some getting some players off the wage bill. Um, when you look at Celtic, um, maybe not enough. Celtic, yeah. you know, and 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 so many doubts uh, about who is going to be there because right now, apart from the the lone players who've gone back for Celtic, uh, they could be putting out a team in these friendlies coming up. It looks pretty familiar to, to what the team last season was. 
Well, you're spot on. I mean, they've only got Tony Ralston at right back. They've got Greg Taylor and volleyball and goalie at left back. You know, a lot of people didn't think ball and volley goalie would come back to the club or even go and train. And I think Olivier and Cham has also went down to Wales, so he's still part of it. So Postacoglu can't get rid of anybody until he brings players in because he's a little bit sparse in, 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 in some areas of the team. But this all goes back to the delay in naming the manager. This is where oh. Celtic are at now, Rob. And we could be saying the exact same thing in, in four weeks' time. Celtic are still low in numbers. They can't get in what they want because a lot of clubs have made their moves before what the, the end of May, start of June with regards, you know, having uh, um, targets they want, players they want to bring in. And because they kept delaying and delaying and delaying, the players who were there didn't know what was happening. Players who were potentially going to come to Celtic didn't know what was happening and then maybe moved on and went somewhere else. Um, plus the managers came in and thought maybe, well, I don't want him. I don't fancy him. This is who I want but then it, it takes a time to get a transfer over the line. You don't just come in and say, oh, I want him and sign him tomorrow. There's a lot of negotiating to go on. There's wages to be had. There's you know, work permits going to be possibly coming into it now as well. So there's lots of things to come into it. And as much as Celtic are pleased to get uh, Ange Postacoglu in, the delay right from February up until Willie's appointed will suffer now. I think between now and even when the window shuts, and it might not even be next window, it could be next summer before he eventually gets the kind of squad that he wants. And that's what Celtic are going to have to live with. And that was the biggest frustration of Celtic supporters. Not wasting time, but certainly not using your time viably enough to get an appointment over the line. Um, where you were, where you are tonight, Craig Moore was last night and he's obviously knows Ange Postecoglou and, and has spoken to him a couple of times. So he kind of knows what, what's going on uh, in the background. Uh, and one thing we were talking about last night was maybe the timing, and he was he was mentioning this, may, maybe the timing is absolutely right for Ange Postecoglou to be coming into that club, uh, despite all the problems potential problems and, and actual problems that we're speaking about because he can be wielding a lot of power in this scenario because there's a lot of change. There's a lot of change still to take place. That's a club that has had Peter Lowell written all over it for a long, long time. He was not just doing one job. He was maybe doing half a dozen different roles mm -hmm. behind the scenes. Um, Craig reckons Ange Postacoglu wants to have a big say in a lot of issues at Celtic so maybe coming in now is absolutely good timing for him well it could be because Dominic Mackay is still trying to find his feet and still will be for quite a while yet with regards being the chief executive of Celtic so you know maybe Ash Postacoglu thinks well this is a a chance for me to not manipulate but almost to try and have a bit more power than what he would have had under Peter Lawwell a more experienced CEO who you know understood the run of the club and, and the club was running his way so because it's maybe taking a new direction, a new leadership, having him alongside Dominic Mackay may absolutely help. But ultimately, Celtic want to win football games. So you can have as much power as you want and you can come in at a good time and you think it's good for you. But come that first day of the season, whether it's the Champions League or the uh, sorry, the Europa League or, or, or just the league in general, uh, the Scottish Premiership, Celtic want to win games. Mm. So they won't be thinking, oh, that, you know, that's great. We've got a manager who's got a bit of power in it and you know, he's going to wield the axe and he's going to do this. Results will determine. But this is where I think, you know, Celtic can't tie Postacoglu's hands behind his back. They can't leave him dangling there if they're not going to back him financially, Rob, and support him and allow to bring players in. I said, it may not be this window. It may not even be January. It could be next summer before Celtic start to see the fruition, or sorry, the fruition of the style of play and the player that he wants, that Postacoglu wants to bring to the club. Because a lot of players I would imagine that he's wanting and is after will be in clubs. So they might have to go and buy them. The Celtic fans uh, want to be excited about some new arrivals. They will be demanding 
um, that there are some quality additions to to the squad, which you would imagine in the next couple of weeks could be uh, further depleted. Aaron Hickey is one that, that mm. I think they would be excited about uh, coming in. News today that maybe Fiorentina in Italy are have taken an interest in him. He's currently, of course, with Bologna. Uh, he was a Celtic Academy player so that there would be something of the frustration where Celtic to have to pay big money for him now they could have bought him from Hearts a, a year ago is he one that, that you think could come in slot in and, and feature immediately? Well I think he's got a problem with his shoulder I, I think he's been through a couple of shoulder operations so whether he'd be fit to come in and play right away uh, I'm, I'm not too sure on the full fitness but I'm, I, I think it was reading that he's had a shoulder injury listen he's 19 years of age he's got lots of talent but you're spot on. For Selig could have got him last summer for one and a half million. Selig were then due a cut of that because he'd, he'd went to say, yeah. but through, through a, a compensation fee. So why not go in and buy him for that kind of money? Surely a million pounds or 1.2 million for Selig last summer wouldn't have been a risk for a young player at 18 years of age who you know has got ability and you can progress him through. So three and a half million pounds seems very inflated. The fact that he's only played 11 or 12 games in Bologna. So that would be, wouldn't be great <laughs> Business management from Celtic allowing that to happen. However, that's not his fault. Is he a good player? Yes. Would he enhance Celtic over time? I don't think he would come in and, and, and light the place up immediately. When you go to a club like Celtic, it takes a while to settle in, to get used to your rhythm, to get into it. And, and if he's not played for a while through his injuries, it'll take him a while to get up to speed. So, you know, you wouldn't be banned someone at £3.5 million to play in your team right away. He will get in eventually and is going to be a smashing player, no doubt about it. But then you've Greg Taylor and volleyball and goalie. So suddenly you've mm. got three left backs. Yeah. And you're on your uh, Adam Montgomery, who played the, you know a couple of games at the end of last season. So you've got four or five left backs, and you're thinking to yourself, is that where we need the investor money? I would imagine there's other areas in the pitch that they would want to spend money on before a left back. But ultimately, if they feel as if they want to go and spend that money, Aaron Hickey certainly is a good player. It's the Go Radio Football Show heading for a break in a sec. Let's talk first to uh, Derek. Hi, Derek. Hey, Gabriel, Rob. Good evening, Stephen. Good evening, Derek. Uh, who do you think will win the Euros, Stephen? And I've got a second question for you. Do you think the new Celtic manager would get a full season to implement his style of football at Celtic? Uh, answer I don't the... think he would get a full season at Celtic. Yeah. I think if he didn't make the Champions League and he lost to Rangers... Under major pressure. Okay, I'll tell you what, Derek, we're going to lock those questions away and we'll put them to Craig's after the break. Thanks uh, thanks to you for calling. We'll get those questions answered after this. The Go Radio Football Show, talking football first. Listen live weeknights from five. It's the Go Radio Football Show on a Tuesday. Uh, we're back to 60 minutes at the moment. That will be expanding again soon as we get back down to business. And, and we're not far away, uh, to be perfectly honest. It's Rob McLean and Stephen Cragen with you. Anything you want to ask us, anything you want to talk about, 0808 17 17 700. Heard from Derek there just before the break. Derek, thanks for your call. I need a couple of questions uh, for you, Craggs. Um, one was, who's going to win the Euros? I just think Italy looked the best balanced team for me. Even you know the subs they bring on, it seems to enhance them. Uh, they've got the experience at the back, and they've got the know-how to win games, how to see games out. They're clever. They time waste when they get in front, uh, and they played a Belgian side who everybody fancied. And I thought Italy were miles better than Belgium. Really, just looked far too strong. For if, them, so. if De Bruyne had been up for it, would that have made yeah, a difference? Possibly. Well, there's no doubt that a fully fit Kevin De Bruyne and a fully fit. Aaron Hazard makes Belgium a much better team. And I think Italy capitalised on that, Rob, the fact they weren't playing. And I just look at them from, you know, from 
defence, the midfield, the experience, that the creativity they have. Uh, I just think Italy look as if this is their tournament. Derek's uh, second question, the two-parter, was will Ange Postacoglu get the full season in charge? Well, he has to. Otherwise, Celtic will be in the exact same position this time next year. Appointing a new manager, you know, n- n- not having the players, having to invest more money. Because his hands have been tied behind his back due to the timing of the deal being completed, uh, you know, what was it, late May, early June, by the time it was completed, that's far too late for a manager to come in and expect miracles to happen in his in the Champions League qualifiers in the league this season Rangers you know you touched on it Rangers have got a much bigger squad much more competitive squad uh, they will have to lose players as to bring more in or, sorry as opposed to bring more in Celtic will have to sign some but you can't expect Celtic to be on the top of their game with all the changes that went on uh, of course the Covid situation with the manager you know not getting into training in time and things like that so I think he has to be given time they have to be patient with him mm. Celtic fans won't because they want to win trophies yeah. they want to win cups but I think that's where the board have to be really strong and this is this will be the real first test of Dominic Mackay of his resilience uh, and how strong he will be back in his manager because there's no point in bringing him in and not giving them money to sign players and even if they do give him money a lot of their first choices could be away. So suddenly you're shopping in a completely different market and you're trying to piece together a season. Considering where they were this time last year, Rob, you know, going in for 10 in a row and to be, you know, to see where they are now, it, it's been a real fall from grace and I think there's loads and loads of work to go on but yes, the manager has to be given the season at least. So let me take you forward to February, March time and Celtic are trailing Rangers by 15 points in the league. Is Ange Postacoglu still the manager? Is his job under threat? Well, I suppose there's lots of things to come into consideration is the style of play and how they've been playing, what players are available for them. If Celtic have went and sold the likes of Ryan Christie or Christopher Ayer and, and Odson Edward, have they all left? Isn't Cham still there? So there's lots of things to take in, into consideration. I mean, we can all try and preempt things, but certainly if, if the Celtic board think he's the right man now, in five or six or seven months' time, what's changed their mind and what's changed their opinion? Results possibly, performance is not being good. But, you know, they've made a big fuss about bringing him in and saying, this is the guy we've wanted. We've been patient. We know what he's like. We know what he's got. Well, I think as a manager, you need more than six or seven months to turn something around. It's not as if he's coming into a club who are used to winning. Well, certainly over the previous nine years they were. But last season, they weren't used to winning. They weren't playing free-flowing football. There was no real enjoyment. The team looked a little bit lacklustre at times. So that doesn't just happen with a new managerial appointment. It happens with um, signings coming in, players leaving, you know, winning games. That all helps as you go along so there's lots and lots of work to do um, and listen if come February and they're 15 points behind the fans will be vociferous and yeah. not be happy at all but this is where the board have to be brave and they have to be strong and allow the manager to try and, try and grow the team A couple of uh, recent arrivals for Celtic of course from, from Sheffield Wednesday we brought news of one uh, just the other day on the show as it broke uh, Celtic meantime uh, are understood to be in talks with Ruben Kazan to sign Swedish international defender Carl Starfelt, the the club uh, keen to make uh, the 26-year-old uh, part of uh, the Ange Postecoglou rebuild. So um, that might happen, it might not happen, but there are going to be so many mm-hmm. names being linked with Celtic because every agent in the football world uh, knows that there's a, a squad being reshaped here. Absolutely. Plus, agents who have worked with Ange Postacoglu in the past will suddenly be making phone calls and saying, listen, I've got a player for you. Do you want this player? Other clubs will be looking to offload players. They'll think if Celtic have a new manager that they're going to invest, 
some money so everyone will be trying to overinflate their players hence the reason why Aaron Hickey potentially could be three and a half million as opposed to two million pounds because Bologna or the agent involved whoever the agent is may see an opportunity to inflate the price because Celtic have money to spend they might think Celtic want to panic and just throw money about but I think Postacoglu is sensible enough to understand that he will make decisions for himself he'll not go and waste money if he doesn't think it's worthwhile in doing so but ultimately, when you look at the squad, they're quite strong in midfield. They've loads of midfield players, but you know he certainly needs at least a right back. He needs three or four wide players. Rob, he said he wants to be attacking. He wants to be aggressive. He wants to go at teams. Well, currently you've got James Forrest and Mikey Johnson. And Mikey Johnson, you don't know with uh, with regards his fitness where he's at. So there's lots of other positions that could be um, getting looked at. Of course, then Christopher I are linked away with going to the Premier League in England. So certainly there will have to be signings come in in the centre of defence. Stephen Cragen and Rob McLean on the Go Radio Football Show for a Tuesday and Craig and Cumbernauld as well. Hi, Craig. Hi, Rob. Hi, Craig. How are you doing? How are you doing, Craig? Good. Are you well? Aye, not bad, not bad. Good man. Um, I just wanted to sort of two sort of quick things about Rangers. I think uh, you know, he's kind of briefly talking about it before the, the break. I, I don't actually think we need to make any more signings at all. I think that the focus now should be on player retention. Um, who we're keeping um, particularly important players because obviously there's attraction um, for Morelos and I think Tavernier as well and there are other players those are important players that we can keep and I think it should just be a case of Gerard. well we've had targets that he's got identified and it should be a case of if we lose um, you know certain big players then we know who our target is basically to come in and to try and get to come in and replace yeah. these, these players because I think the core of the squad just now is very very good so you're you're I talking about you're talking about consolidation. Then would you be great? You know, getting yeah. the likes the likes of Connor Goldson to name to name, but one getting someone like him on a new deal, maybe Glenn Kamara as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, um, I think that that's what it's got to be because I think that squad's more than good enough to go and win the league again um, next season. Um, and I also think one of the the other things going into next season about having largely the same squad that will be beneficial is that they'll be hungrier for more because they're still. No question in my mind, there's a, a disappointment that it was only the league that was won last season because it was a fabulous opportunity to at the very least win a, a double, if not the, the, the treble. Um, and I think, you know, those are things that... Does that still rankle with you, that, 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 it, that it was only the league and not, not at least one of the Cups? It, it does a bit because we were so good last season and to be undefeated in the league, you know, 38 games in the league to have a 100% record at home as well, and to get put out of both cups, you know, you can you can live with a slip up. You know, the St Mirren one was disappointing at the time, but you take it in the chin and move on, and that's what they did. You know, went on an incredible winning run. It was the St Johnson one that hurt the most because you're playing at Ibrox, where you've won every single game you've played domestically, and no, you know, there's no way as good as St Johnson were, there's no way we should have been losing that game at, at Ibrox. So, and I do think the players feel that as well, I think, you know, because you have to solidify your dominance because that's one piece of light that Ange Postacoglu and Celtic will look at and go, well, as good as they were in the league, clearly there's chinks in their armour because they didn't go and dominate the way that we have over the last couple of years. Um, so that does wrangle, but I think it's a good thing, a good motivator rather for the players to, to understand as well that they can kick on and win more because that's the expectation at Rangers is to at least get to cup finals. Um, under Gerard, 
I've only witnessed one cup final. Yeah, you know, I mean, so. yeah. I mean, we've we've been we've been talking about this, Craig, as you as you've probably been hearing it earlier on in the show. Just just about the numbers mm-hmm. that that Rangers have got in the squad. They played two whole teams last night, and there was still about thirteen or fourteen really top players mm. not not involved in that one. So so Craig's uh, that that consolidation that Craig's speaking about is really important and getting some key players uh, tied up on extensions. Well, you you would imagine initially Connor Goldson's the first one. One year left in his contract, had his best season as a Rangers player last year, probably the most improved player in the league, you know, with the standard he's gone up. So he's at 28 years of age. This will probably be his last big contract as a footballer. Rangers will want it to be with them, but he will want to try and look and think, what's the best financial deal for me? What's the best length of contract I can get? So um, it, it's, I think it'll be quite concerning. There's no noise coming out at all, Rob, that, you know, he may be wanting to stay. I suppose the positive for Rangers is there's no there's no links of him going anywhere else. So that would tell me they're in dialogue and in discussions. The other two then you look at are Morelos and Kent. Probably they're, you know, out with Kamara, so probably Kamara as well. All three of them have two years left in their contract. And Celtic were there uh, this time last year with Christopher Ayer and Odson Edward. Two years left in their contract. You either get them on a new deal, so it extends you know, the protection you have over them mm-hmm. and the, it protects the, the transfer value in the future. If they're not going to sign new deals and it's, you know, it's quite clear they don't want to, then Rangers have to think about trying to move them on in this window or the January window to try and get the best uh, return in the transfer market they possibly can. Because once a player goes into the last year, mm. I think that, that value diminishes quite quickly. It's quite a brutal business, isn't it? And the timing has to be absolutely spot on. Well, it has. And that's why Rangers, I would imagine, have already spoken to Alfredo Morelos. They will have spoken to Glenn Kamara and they will have spoken to Ryan Kent just to kind of test the water to see where they are because they can't afford to have players valued anything between 10, 15, 16 million, whatever it may be. And this time next year, they're worth six or seven. And suddenly that market value has really dropped. They need to try and, and pick the right moment, whether it's only one player or two players and then you keep the third one, whatever it may be. But Rangers can't afford to have uh, invested money in these players and don't get it the return that they should because they're top players and they're doing well and they're scoring goals and they're entertaining and, and you know and Kamara's you know shining at the European Championships. So that's where Rangers have to be clever and this is where the business the business management of of Ross Wilson and, and Stuart um Stuart Sternham. Stuart Robertson. Stuart Robertson. Yeah. I, I work with Stuart at Motherwell. This is where their business acumen will have to come in and they will have to know along with the manager when to strike. Craig, what did you read into the John Lundstrom signing? Well I, I have to be be honest, you know, I saw it and I was I was surprised because I just kind of looked at it and I thought, I, I really don't see where he fits into the Rangers team. Mm-hmm. I don't see what, what he's been signed for. Is he a backup? Is he a backup to a backup? You know, and I'm not having a dig at him, you know, I don't know a great deal about him. I know he didn't have a great season last year at Sheffield United, but then again... Operating at a pretty high level, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was one of those ones that you kind of went, it just sort of came from nowhere that hold on a minute why what what's he going to why have we signed him um, maybe it's because there, there, there is behind the scenes um, a feeling that, um, that he will be required because maybe one or two players are going to move on that we just don't know about yet um, but you know if that is the case I'm not sure that that's where where you look for it but as I say without seeing these players in action you don't know and I just hope what I don't want to do is have a squad that's just full of players that we don't use. We end up sending out on, on loan and then we're not really getting the benefit of those players because they're out on loan perhaps at other clubs freely when actually you could maybe just offload some of them off the books or not sign them in the first place when it's when it's not 
Yeah. Um, because we've done that, bef- you know, before in the last couple of years, I think when you saw the likes of Greg Doherty and even players like, um, you know, like Jordan Jones and things. Jordan like Jones, that, Greg Stewart. Yeah. Brand- and Brandon Barker. Yeah, Greg Stewart. Brandon, Brandon Barker's Barker, another one. You know, yeah. Good players at the level they were playing at, I'm not convinced they were ever really at the level to be playing at Rangers. So to sign them seemed as filler more than anything else and then they just go on loan. So, um, that's what you have to be careful of um, because you can have overblown and then you have, I think Craig's was saying earlier, then you potentially have disgruntled players which doesn't create a good yeah. atmosphere. And so far the atmosphere over the last, you know, over the course of the last 18 months or so has been very, very rock solid um, and, and focused and that's where it needs to be because, you know, you cannot underestimate what you don't know and what you don't know is what Ange Postacoglu and Celtic are going to do next mm. season and what they're going to look like. So if you underestimate that because it's unknown, yeah, that's a risk. So we just focus on being solid again and go and not have too many, you know, too many cooks spoil the broth as the saying goes. And that's what you could, you could find. That's the only concern I would have um, about us. I wonder if there's a big bid on the way for James Tavernier. I mean, he's one, mm. he's one that has has been tied up on an extended contract. So so Rangers are going to get uh, a healthy fee. Uh, for the skipper, if he if he does go, but I mean Arsenal and Man United were were mentioned recently. I mean, is he is he good enough for for top end of the of the English Premier League? He's certainly good enough for um for, to be somewhere play, in the English he Premier, play in the Premier League. League. Yeah, he, he could certainly play in the Premier League. And and the way a lot of teams are wanting to play, or wanting to play open and expansive, from wanting your full back to be forward and be high and wide, as well as getting the box and the goals he gets. You know, there's no doubt about it. He could play there. But if you're James Tavernier and, and you, you've been through four years of suffering as a Rangers player, you've been a Rangers captain and you've been you know, struggling for wins and trophies and you get your hands on the league trophy, you sign a new extended contract, you've now got three years left, you would think, I want to stay here. I want to lift more trophies. I want to play in European football. I could go to England and probably earn some more money, but I want the prestige of being in a big club and winning trophies and being that captain and potentially taking the club back to Champions League football. So I would imagine James Tavernier would be quite happy where he is. He's enjoying himself. He's very well thought of. The fans love him. The players seem to like him. The manager seems to like him. If Stephen Gerrard left in the future, that could change. Mm. But certainly, I think he's found a position where he's enjoying himself and he's waited that long for success. I would be surprised if he wants to walk away now and what could possibly happen in the next few years at Rangers. Do you agree with that, Craig? I, I would. I think Tav's, um, you know, I don't see why, because he's not going to, you know, I heard nonsense about Man United and I, I don't, you know, he's not going to go to a club at Man United, not at the stage he is in his career. And I think if he was to go down south, it would be a, a team, you know, that would either be mid-table or bottom half that wouldn't yeah. necessarily guarantee him the opportunities that he would get at Rangers with European football. Um, and I think that's important, especially when you consider, you know, with a chance to qualify for the Champions League this season, a good one. But moreover, you know, next season, if we can go and win the league this year, it's a guaranteed group stage spot. What that's what more 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 motivation rather would you need to stay at a club than knowing at worst if we can win this league, we've got a guaranteed spot in the Champions League for the start of next season. You know, that's surely what any player um, would would absolutely want to do. And I think with, with Gerard, if I'm honest, I think uh, I think Gerard will probably be with us for the next. I think at least the next year if we win the league and we're guaranteed Champions League he'll stay for the following season and then he'll probably well end up um, you know going to Liverpool or wherever else um, 
because I think it, it, well, you know, that time is fast coming if he gets more success. Uh, that's all he's needing. A couple more trophies under his belt, a good one in Europe, a preferably the Champions League wouldn't go amiss. And then all of a sudden you're you know, you're in the market for a new manager yourself. But um yeah, I think, I think it's all about progression for him, isn't it? I think I think he just wants that that graph mm. to to continually be climbing. Um, yes, he'll want to to retain the title this season, but he'll also want to get into the Champions League group stages. Well, I quite like his mindset that he doesn't allow any kind of speculation to enter his mind. Certainly, uh, publicly in the press, he, he just gets on with it and says, "No, I've got a job to do. I'm back at Rangers. I want to win more trophies. We're changing the mindset. We're going to go for more." Which is what Rangers fans want to hear, and what the Rangers players want to hear. Deep down inside, you're spot on. You know, as a manager, you want to progress because you want to win trophies and you you gather speculation, you uh, attract attention from people by being successful and by being involved in the Champions League, what Craig's talking about. So that will be the next step for him as a Rangers manager. Can we get into the Champions League, try and test myself against some of the best teams around in Europe? Yes, it'll be a tough slog and, you know, at times it might be out of their depth, but certainly as a manager, he will think moving forward, Champions League and more trophies. Craig, good talking to you. Cheers, Craig. All the best. That's Craig in Cumbernauld looking ahead to what Rangers are going to do. They've certainly got a healthy squad and a hefty number of players as well as they prepare for their title defence. The Go Radio Football Show. Talking football first. Listen live weeknights from five. That creaking noise in the background that you might hear is Craig's brain attempting to work and attempting to answer the big question we set. Uh, hopefully you've been racking your brains as well in the last sort of 45 minutes or so. The question was, and just in case you didn't get it right at the top of the show, uh, was name six goalkeepers who played in Scotland who've been at Euro 2020. They might, they might not be there anymore, um, but they were part of one of the international squads. Um, so... At right at the top of the show, we we uh, we got two we 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 got uh, two who are um, teammates at Leicester City. Casper Schmeichel, who will play for Denmark uh, tomorrow night against England, and uh, Danny Ward, um, who was the Welsh first choice goalkeeper until they went out. Uh, Danny Ward was at Aberdeen on loan for a spell, and Casper Schmeichel was at Falkirk. In fact, there were two. Uh, goalkeepers mm. at the tournament who are former Falkirk goalkeepers which is a, a, a pub quiz question in itself Craigs isn't it? Well he was the one I struggled with he was the fifth one for me I had to rack my brain and go through clubs and go through countries and try and work out where they would be so it was Tim Krul Tim Krul yeah yeah. yeah. So I, I played against I think I played against Tim Krul and I played against Casper Schmeichel I don't think I played against Danny Ward any of the other three no, no you certainly have played did, against, no, but certainly no. Schmeichel at Falkirk and, and, and Krul at Falkirk I played against right yeah. Okay, so I think Daniel Bachman was probably quite, yeah. quite a relatively easy one to get because he was first choice for Austria um, mm. in the tournament and he was at Kilmarnock. Was it, would it have been Stevie Clark that signed him? Stevie I Clark would have had him loan, loan from, from Watford. From I think, Watford he would have, yeah. yeah. So there you have it. That, that's us up to four. Um, how are you getting on there? <laughs> um, eventually, um, I had to rack my brains on this one, you as well, we eventually got to Adam Bogdan yeah. uh, who was in the Hungarian squad only because um, I had watched a Hungarian warm-up game against someone I can't think who it was I saw highlights and saw him coming off the bench so that's why when it was going through it I thought well, 
he, he yeah. came to me a big red-headed goalkeeper for some reason came to, in, into my mind so and he struggled to get a game at Hibs didn't he but, I mean, he did yeah but I mean obviously I mean, Ofir Martiano has moved on to Feyenoord hasn't yeah. he which tells you something about the quality of, of goalkeeper that Hibs have had for the last couple of years um, and that was one of the reasons that that uh, Bogdan who always looked pretty decent when he when he mm-hmm. did play uh, but he didn't get a chance to play too much so that was that was five goalkeepers uh, who'd featured yeah. and, and to be honest I needed assistance on the, on number six as well and if you're a Kilmarnock fan if you're a Kilmarnock diehard you, even you might be struggling uh, to have got the the other one he was part of the Finnish squad uh, his name is Ansi Jakola um, he's maybe second or third choice Finland goalkeeper he played with Kilmarnock in 2011 uh, 2011 2011 to 2013 Jakola uh, rings a bell I mean I would never have got it in a million years even if someone had said to me there's three Finnish goalkeepers one of them played in Scotland no but now the name has come out Rob I, I've, I've heard the name Jakola quite incredible though six wow. six goalkeepers have played in Scotland featuring yeah. at Euro 2020 well, they, out, out with Scotland of course out with the Scotland national team in case fans are thinking well there was another three <laughs> yeah. wasn't there Bob yeah. but yeah out yeah. with the Scotland yeah. national team the ones that actually didn't feature for for Scotland uh, the other question um, that we were and there's no definite answer to this one obviously no. it's all a matter of opinion was what is your team of the tournament so far at the Euros um, it's been a great watch as far as I'm concerned we're going to between now and the end of the show Craigs we're just going to uh, limp our way uh, through uh, selections uh, and come put some sort of team together we'll agree on some we'll disagree on others I would imagine uh, goalkeeper do you know what I think Neuer and Donnarumma are better goalkeepers but I think Pickford has been crucial for England right. I think he's pulled off some big saves at big moments and he's not considered a goal yet so I think over the piece uh, you know certainly up there Neuer is a world class goalkeeper I'm not saying he didn't have a good Euros but he conceded certainly more goals uh, and uh, Donnarumma hasn't had an awful lot to do so I think it's hard to judge on that As so I, I would go Jordan Pickford Jan Sommer of Switzerland yeah would he be up yeah, there as well close. Uh, is, it, is it Simon the Spanish goalkeeper as well has done yeah. quite well although he lit in uh, an absolute well, howler didn't he exactly I, I think that's what put me off him you yeah. know, the fact the ball went back yeah. to him but to be fair he responded uh, and did he save the penalty put him through I didn't see the penalty kicks. Yeah, I think he did. I he think did. he did. You know, so, yeah, so he's, he's redeemed himself. I had Donnarumma and Sommer um, so bra- bracketed together and I thought about combining them into Donna Sommer. <laughs> um, but let's, let's actually not do that. No. Um, but Donnarumma is a, is a frightening prospect, oh. I think. I think he's going to PSG, is that right? It, um, it seems 20, to be that way. He's 22 and he's played 250 odd times for, for Milan. And he's, and he's about six foot five, six yeah. foot six. He, he's got real presence, hasn't he? He's, he, he's a keeper. He's one of the guys you'd like to see in the Premier League, Rob. You know, I don't think the the the, the league A is as competitive as what Serie A would be, or even you know La Liga or the Premier League. So I think you want to see the best goalkeepers in the best leagues. Even you know Neuer at Bayern Munich won't get tested as much for Bayern Munich as what he would playing for Manchester United or Liverpool, for example. So it's a shame he's going to PSG because they're going to be far better than everyone else. Uh, but albeit they didn't win the the title this season, but you know, will he be tested? Will he be worked? it seems to be it's going to be a financial move for him but there's no doubt about it 22 years of age I mean he could be similar to um, Buffon mm. you know he could play right up yeah. to he's 40 and beyond I mean that's the frightening yeah. I think he could play for another 18 years incredible and he's already got over what 250 games phenomenal he's going to be sensational he really is have you been licking your lips over some of the defending going on well, having watched a lot of the defending, it would some of us been quite concerning. You know, some of the goals that have been conceded. You know, it, it was interesting as you talk about Chiellini and you talk about Benucci, and I keep hearing this phrase. You know, they're old-fashioned defenders. What does that mean? 
that they can tackle, they can head, they you know they can uh, be physical when they need to be, they take up good starting positions, they read the game well. Is that not how all defenders should be? It seems to be this this myth that defending is gone. Everybody has to play with the ball as opposed to being defenders. But, so, but there's not a sell-by date on a defender, is there? Because one's 34, the other's 36. So, there's yeah. 70 between them. Um, but and, and they're masters of their art. Yeah, they, they are. Well, they are. And listen, Italians always were traditionally top-class defenders. You know, like being physical, like getting tight, like roughing people up. But these two guys can play as well. You know, especially when the, if they play with the back three. Uh, Chiellini sometimes is almost overlapping the, but uh, uh, Spinazzola did tramp it crosses into the box. I didn't actually pick Chiellini because he missed a couple of games. Yeah, so, maybe you'd err, err on the side of Bonucci yeah, probably because he, he's, played, he's played in all the games. Who else you got there? I went a back four of Dumfries. Yeah, I really liked yeah. him playing for the Netherlands. Just yeah. his energy and his appetite. He probably played more as a wing back, but certainly... And the Scottish connection as yeah, well. well. Well, of course, I've got to try and keep Scotland in the tournament as long as I can. Uh, Bonucci would be beside him. Mm-hmm. Keir, Peter Keir at Seaman at Denmark. Because I, I saw him playing for AC, uh, AC Milan against Celtic, and I thought at times he struggled a little bit. But I think in this tournament he's been absolutely, yeah. you know, terrific. Yeah. You know, not, you know, and as, the way he dealt with the Christian Eriksen situation. I was going to say, even well. aside from his Christian Eriksen thing, you're just on the pitch as leadership. He's taken massive inspiration from that. You know, he's really grown in strength, and I think. That as a, a standalone incident has inspired the full country and the full team. You know, the fact that their teammates survived the fight he showed yeah. and his teammates have really taken on that battle and are wanting to go and win it for him. Left back? Spinazzola? Yeah. You know, uh, dreadful the fact that he's now snapped his Achilles and he's going to be out for the next year so he yeah. probably won't play football again next season at all which is dreadful. Yeah. Um, the other ones I had down were like Munier uh, of Belgium yeah. um, um, and also Joachim Mela. The, the Danish, the Danish one, left yeah. back, Danish wing left back, back yeah. Harry Maguire probably hasn't played enough games to be, to be involved. John Stones has been part of a really yeah. good England defence uh, as well. But I, I don't think we're going to fall out, to, to be honest, about the, the back four midfield. Um, it's between... Declan Rice? Well, I went for Declan Rice or Calvin Phillips. Probably Declan Rice. Just as a holding midfield player. Yeah. Just how you know how well he's been. Never looks out of position. Never looks flustered. Always reads the game well. Intercepts well. The times, the tackles well. Must be great for a centre-half having him right in front of you. Knowing any kind of long ball that's thrown in, Robbie's going to go and win it and, and, and be hard to play against. Two beside him, Paul Pogba. I just think when he plays for mm-hmm. France, he's a completely different player. And Barella. Right. Barella. Yeah, you know, no, Nicola Barella has been brilliant. For me, Jorginho, I, th- yeah. I think he would be... He, I would want him in my team just because he's understated. Yeah, you, you can go through spells of not noticing him, but he is the the glue in the middle of that Italian yeah. team for me that holds it all together. But um, yeah, so uh, and in terms of strikers, who have well, you got in the attacking position? Well, I went Raheem Sterling. Yes, just because the three goals he scored have been so important. You know, there've been two one nil wins, one against Czech Republic, one against Croatia. He scored. He then breaks the deadlock against Germany. He then sets up Harry Kane first goal against Ukraine. So I just think he had such an influence on England going forward. Yeah. And you know, I think a lot of people had written him off before the tournament. So I just think he's been so key for them that he, you know, he'd be in my team. Lukaku sent a forward. I know mm-hmm. some people went for Ronaldo, but or would go for Ronaldo. I just think Lukaku, just like physical, powerful, takes a ball in, links play out well. Patrick uh, Sheik? Sheik, yeah, five goals he got. Yeah, yeah, possibly. I just, you know, listen, it's personal. And it makes us Scots feel a little <laughs> yeah. bit better as well. I don't think David Marshall would put him in his team anyway. Uh, and Insigne and, and yeah. on the left-hand yeah. side. You know, yeah. his goal against Belgium is absolutely terrific. But I just think the way he plays the game and, and the area of the pitch he plays, Robbie's really hard to pick up. 
it's hard for full-backs to go in centre-halves don't want to go in if midfield players get attracted to him midfield players can then run beyond their midfield so I just like Insigne all to do with the starting positions Yeah I've got Chiesa down here as a, as a possible as well but he hasn't played all the games mm. but I think whenever he's come on and whenever he's started he's had a real impact he and he's, he's ended up being a more dangerous player for them I think on that in that position than Berardi who started yeah. the tournament as the, the first choice there and I've got Ronaldo Dan you mentioned him um, you know he is the serial record breaker yeah, he is. isn't he and, and even though Portugal are long out of the tournament he still bagged five goals he st- well he still holds the top goal score along with Sheik yeah. so uh, Lukaku's got four he's not involved Sterling's got three so he will need to come up with a couple to try and overtake him but as always yeah Ronaldo when the big moments count the big tournaments come up the big games finals he always delivers Tomorrow night, I just saw him on the on the TV screen in the studio a wee while ago there, Casper uh, Hjulmand, uh, the Danish coach, another person who's come out of this mm. tournament, I think with massive credit for the way he's spoken, the way he's dealt with everything. And Gareth Southgate on the other side tomorrow night, you know, hugely inspiring figure, uh, tackles any topic you want to throw at him, he, he, will, he, will, he will deal with it. It's not just the clash of two great teams tomorrow night, it's the clash of two great coaches, I think, as well. It's Italy, Spain tonight. Uh, and at this stage I'm looking for your two finalists uh, I'm going to go for Italy against England I think England would rather play Spain I think they can physically get probably get the better of them I think they will fear Italy more than what they will fear Spain but Denmark have had a great run I just think England are going to go to the final Cracks thanks a lot and uh, I will have uh, Davy Proven uh, with me tomorrow night for another hour of football chat feel free to join us as well we will be live at five The Go Radio Football Show. Talking football first. Listen live weeknights from five.